Trash Cinema. Trash Cinema. This episode we'll be discussing the legacy of Linda Blair, who started off in a studio film that everybody knows, The Exorcist. Then <laughs> shit kind of derailed a decade later. <laughs> started doing a lot of grinding uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, kind of an unfortunate legacy that we have to talk about today. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that she's necessarily a bad actress, but you know how it is with kid actresses. You can be good at 13, but by the time you're 18, you got a lot of competition. And by the time you're 25, oh boy, you better be real damn good. Or you end up in the case like Linda Blair where you're writing off the previous stuff that you've done for a couple decades. Yeah, and uh, you got to kind of pick your projects a little more wisely than you did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just don't know if sometimes the offers are there. It is strange. Oh, hey, I forgot. We're introducing ourselves. Michael, that's Kersey. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, hey, ahead. what's up, guys? <laughs> I don't um, know. If you don't know that by now, I mean, yeah. come on. The... Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to remember, so I think it was 78 was the sequel to Exorcist, and it was fucking just horrible, a complete and absolute mess, huge box office flop, still shocked to this day that there was a three and four, I, I don't know what the hell that was about. The uh, And then she was in Roller Boogie, during the Roller Boogie craze, which there was like three or four movies of, but just people at discos and roller skates, don't, don't ask me, I was two when that happened. <laughs> That would be the equivalent of having, like, a fidget spinner movie or something. Yeah, kind of. I want, It would be something. That, oh, Skype the movie. Wait, there was a Skype the movie. Unfriended. I forgot. <laughs> Dude, there, there's, like, three of those movies. Yeah, wow. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, by... I should not have said that. I should not have said that, because that might be your next thing. Maybe. the uh, No, I have a list, buddy. We have uh, 20 episodes oh, okay, left. Good. I got a list of stuff that's very good potential. I don't think, I don't think that should be on the list. But um, no, please, God, no. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not even interested in watching it. So, I uh, I kind of picked a, a selection of each genre from her during the '80s. She starts off okay. Hell Night is probably her strongest of the '80s. Probably her last great movie. It was from the guys that did Halloween. It was released, I believe, by Avco Embassy as a Halloween release, expected to do well. It did okay. But it's been long forgotten, I believe. And what did you think of Hell Knight? I was not a big fan. It's kind of like the most standard horror film you can imagine. You know, kids, haunted house, person trying to kill them, police don't care. That is, is you, I mean, we've seen it a billion times. It's fine. It's serviceable, but nothing like particularly great. Now, is this because you're seeing it through the lens of decades of horror movies that have come afterwards? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've I've been spoiled with like with horror films for a long time. So this, I mean, this is totally biased opinion on my part. Oh, okay. Now I did not see this early on in my horror uh, years, like which which started in '92 is when I was finally allowed to watch horror movies. Uh, this I discovered um, from Anchor Bay release, the glorious years of Anchor Bay doing like the limited edition runs of these cool horror and sci-fi films. And I think that was in 2000 or 2001, and I actually found it quite scary. I showed it to my sister, and she was just like, holy fuck, this is creepy. And she's pretty well-versed in horror, so it's not like she's a newbie or anything to it. I watched it again. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the acting isn't the greatest, and I, I say you could probably trim things down a bit because it, they milked a lot of the tension. 80s tension is totally different. It's it's so yeah, strange. I don't have the patience for a lot of it. That's true. It, it is much more atmosphere building instead of... 
like instead of like this huge payoff, which I feel like nowadays it's more like a, a build to something like gross, terrifying, etc. Yeah, or there has to be uh, a gimmick. This is clearly like yeah. There's much. Go ahead. There's much more like shock value today. I feel in like in like modern horror. Yeah. Whereas like in the 80s and, and to lesser extent, I guess the 90s, it's just more about that really. The, the trying to build that tension as long as possible, and and a lot of times don't even pay it off. No, there's a sense of dread in this, which I think dread they, they skip a lot of that. That's more European influence, I think. Is you know when Dario Argento started doing a lot of horror movies, that he would have a lot about atmosphere and dread, and it would build up slowly. Have you ever seen the movie uh, House of the Devil? I have not. That's one where the babysitter is set in like 1985 and this babysitter is called out to this big old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and it's an hour and a half long but really the only stuff, only horror stuff happens the last half hour. There's this building and building and building of what's going to happen and you get to learn about the character and stuff like that you know so it matters what happens to her. The only problem I have with this movie is none of the characters fucking matter. They really don't. They're so generic. They're so useless. I do like the... Uh, Trying to remember his name, his uh, Van Patten. Uh, God, there's like ten of them. Jimmy Van Patten, Timmy Van Patten, whatever. The blonde kid. Um, he was probably mm -hmm. the most entertaining of the bunch, even though he was a kind of a douchebag. He was the Robin Hood character. Absolutely, he yeah. was definitely the the character I looked forward to most when it was a scene with him. I was immediately paying attention. Yeah, it's the the main guy is a dud. Oof. Yeah. yeah. It's just because he's handsome. That's that's the curse of a lot of these 80s horror movies is that they tend to go for faces. Actually, I should say this about 90s horror post-Scream. Scream was interested in who's on the WB, who's on Fox right now, who's the hot teenager, not who's, hey, are they entertaining, are they a good actor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's kind of very, I, sorry, I have to mention this just because I'm me. And I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I hated it. And I feel as though that's kind of the same gimmick where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of employs the same idea, where it's like, hey, you know, this is, uh, the, you know, like the face of the industry kind of thing. But it really has nothing to do with the movie. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be there. Uh-huh. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. So they're, they're more about, hey, this movie will get made at this budget because of these people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, Linda Blair is the name in this. She's the one they cast solely off of Exorcist. I don't think she's bad in this movie. What I hate, though, and it's a curse of those late 70s, early 80s horror films, is the Scream Queen. I fucking hate Scream Queens. I, 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 have, I, don't, I, mean, I can see her maybe a Yelp or two, but the constant screaming, shut the fuck up, you're only putting yourself in danger because you're letting the killer know where you are! <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what's funny is that there are movies where that does work, and I was just watching the movie Year Next, and that actually does kind of work when there's a lot of when there's a lot of screaming. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I just like that it's a more it, it might just be a more intimate setting. Sorry, what? No, I love that movie. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was great. But anyway, yeah, with this one, uh, in, in the setting of like with only a couple people, and you don't really. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just going off at this point. But yeah, um, not a huge uh, fan. I think that Linda Blair did fine. I, I think that she does give a, she does have a, give a lot of effort into this one. Yeah, I you know the one thing that's funny about old horror movies is trying to create the proper lighting 
and it's so obvious because they didn't shoot on digital where it can pick up even the slightest trace of lighting so it looks more natural. This is back in the day of film, a low budget movie where they can't have a lot of cash going towards lighting. So they got like one giant goddamn spotlight over it. I was like, why is it so bright on this street? That's nuts. Uh, and, of, and like inside the house, it's just it's way too dark. Yeah. The the one thing so. I do enjoy is the whole. This is kind of the post Friday the Thirteenth Jason Hills Have Eyes thing where the villains tend to be like mutants. Like I, I don't. They used to say the word mongoloid, but that's not PC. But like uh, yeah, these humongous like... heaping, uh, almost freak show villains where you can't really rationalize with them. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. Absolutely. There's another one called Humongous out of Canada I've always been curious about from the director of Prom Night, and it has a lot of the same yeah. ideas that this movie has. We'll see, like, the, if we're going to talk about another uh, Linda Blair movie, uh, would be, uh, was it Grotesque? Yeah, and Grotesque, kind of like holy the, shit. <laughs> that yeah. one threw me for a loop. That was great. See, that, that one did the, the creature kind of thing, where it's, like, humanoid, um messed up face and they did it really well in that one yeah and but the thing that's also they're fucking with you there's this weird thing okay yeah, so it starts exactly. off like okay so um i want i want to go in order can we hold off on uh grotesque until the end let's wait yeah okay so there's a reason because it all has this weird streamlined thing so the next movie we watched was chained heat this is when she was no longer tempting you with her heaving bosom which was in heavily in uh hell night this is one where yeah. they finally, like, I think she realized her career was going down the tubes and that she had to be a, recast as a sex pot, which, Linda Blair, fire your fucking agent because he steered you in the wrong direction because you did three of these prison movies where you're naked a lot. Yeah. There's, this is almost, this is, I can imagine back in the day, before you could just click, click, click and find porn, this was, like, almost porn. There's stuff in there that you're like, holy shit, this is in theaters? Yeah, I kind of felt that way about the other uh, movie. Uh, what was that one? Savage Streets. Uh, Savage Streets. I was going to say Mean Streets, but I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there was just like like the the shot of her. Sorry, we'll talk about that movie later. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about, you know, like. Uh, but this one, like there's the, a lot of ex- like groping and like just grabbing body yeah. parts and, and tons of like. It made me uncomfortable. This is the one that I'll probably never ever watch again because. The sexual assault in it is just fucking insane. Yeah. There's a lot of this. Is, if you weren't around at the time, exploitation in the 80s, there was a lot of sexual assault. And it was usually in vigilante movies, like our next film, or prison movies, which it's so strange that the prison movies came back after a decade. We had like five or six in a two-year period of time that were somewhat successful. Well, I mean, sexual assault is in comedies too. Revenge of the Nerds seems like that, yeah. a fucking so- sociopathic movie in, in nowadays. But. Yeah, it's like I, that's my problem with Revenge of the Nerds. It's eighty percent a pretty good movie. Like its message is really strong, but they undermine it by two of those scenes where they basically go into the the sorority house and you know they set up the cameras and they they basically like do the panty raid attack thing. And yeah. at the end, he does. He, I mean, I, I, you can argue with all you want. He rapes her. She does not know so who she's having Absolutely. sex with. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and people are like, okay with it. I think it's fucked up that Fox issues out Revenge of the Nerds, and they call it the Panty Raid Edition, which is fucked Oof. up. No, don't. Just don't. That's, 
Yeah, that's a little... Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love that movie. It's just those scenes... Yeah, which like is the why... Panty raid scene, yeah. I can forgive the panty raid scene as being, like, going a little far, but still having kind of, like, a sense of humor and being a little ridiculous with it. But the other one goes way too far. Yeah, that's why I prefer the second one. That one was PG-13. There's no sexual assault. The only person who's ever even aggressive is Booger, and he gets slapped every single time. I'm like, hell yeah. How do we get here? How do we get on this tangent? Oh, uh, <laughs> Chained Heat. Um, so Chained Heat, this is a weirdo one because this is like an all-star episode of everybody who was ever on Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Anybody you could hire for a day on the cheap who was kind of a name. Uh, we had John Vernon who, uh, oh, this is fucking shocking. So I got confused. There's like 9,000 characters in this. Who was the yeah. prison warden? Was it the blonde lady Stella Stevens, or was it the the greasy old man John Vernon from Animal House? Was it what, what about the the dude in the jacuzzi? Was, was he the, the main dude? Yeah, yeah, he's the main guy. I, I think, think he was right. See, there's okay. So one person's running the prisons, but one person's also like in charge of the women. But then you got the Henry Silva's the drug dealer who's working with John Vernon to get the drugs, and you got the corrupt prison guard. It just it, it was almost too many characters that I started to get confused. Yeah, I kind of didn't really see this as a movie because it doesn't necessarily have like a strict narrative. It's just kind of more about like the the prison system in this in this film universe. Kind yeah, of thing going it's on. more like episodic, really doesn't it? Story. It's like vignettes. Yeah, right. It could have been like broken up into I don't know uh, nine, five, ten minute movies or something. Yeah, and if you were to show this on television, it'd be twelve minutes long. There's that much nudity. <laughs> oh yeah. But basically, this it does shine a light in a way of this corrupt system, which I'm sure really happens in prisons where these girls basically, and the same thing I think with minorities is, they get trumped up charges, um, they get tossed into prison uh, for longer than they ever should have been, when it should have been just like a misdemeanor, and they get caught up in this endless cycle of building violence and attacks. And, I mean, the fact that there's a riot at the end and where everybody teams up against the corrupt system, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And they don't pull any punches, man. Everybody, everybody who gets it, gets it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe there's yeah, a Chained right. Heat 2 and a Chained Heat 3000. Set in space! <laughs> I, okay, that's a joke, right? Nope. There's no way. That's real. <laughs> no, there's a chain. That's what they do with all franchises in the 90s. <laughs> when it's running out of money, Take it throw it in space. space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking Chained Heat 3000. <laughs> they always had a 3000. I don't know why. <laughs> um... Yeah, I would say I no. I feel like we don't do that anymore. We don't we don't take franchises to space anymore. No, I kind of I kind of miss that. I mean, like Jason X was awesome. I don't care what anybody says. Harold and Kumar in space. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's go crazy with it. Yeah, I mean, they already had I mean, a talking waffle monster in the third one. <laughs> yeah, and Robert Rodriguez was talking about taking Machete to space for the third one. I said yeah. go for it because I will. I, I didn't watch the second one because it looked stupid, but I would definitely see the third. Yeah, one. Yeah, the second one's okay. You know, there's there that's a grindhouse episode for us. Uh, machete, a hobo with a shotgun. You know, the spinoffs. Well, I feel like there's a third one. I can't remember. Oh, uh, well, it wasn't necessarily part of the Grindhouse Presents. It was um, that motorcycle one that Tarantino produced. Hellride? Motorcycle. I think it's called Hellride. Yeah, he did a, a biker homage movie right as at the same time Grindhouse came out. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's yeah, good. biker movies. That's one. That's a genre that we're probably never going to touch if we don't do that one. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So uh, that's probably the only prison movie I'll ever discuss, and I feel 
I feel kind of bad, like, watching it. I feel like kind of a sleazy person. Yeah, it is a little weird. Uh, you kind of have to watch it in chunks. Like we said, it would be, it would work better as just as like short stories that you can kind of just come back to. Yeah. And, like watching it all in one sitting makes you feel a little weird. Well, our next movie uh, kind of continues that trend of feeling a little greasy, and then adds punkers to it. And it's called Savage Streets, which I know people are huge fans of. I've seen it a couple times. I'm okay with it. Uh, I feel like it takes so fucking long to get to the revenge part that I was really tired of it by, I think, by hour, you know, what felt like hour four. (laughs) Okay, this is kind of a strange criticism, but the problem with it was that the the impetus to the revenge stuff, which I'll just flat out say was uh, the Linda Blair sister being raped, was so dark and they took it so seriously that it kind of bummed me out for the rest of the movie. Yeah, this is one where, if I remember, this is the first one I watched, so I kind of forgot, but I believe that they're high school students who basically have no parents telling them what to do. They just, uh, they get over their heads when they go visit, you know, in the city, the hoodlums, down in the city, and they kind of are smart asses with these punkers and don't realize that it's going to be a dangerous situation they've got themselves into because they're spoiled brats, and then they just get over their head, and uh, the punkers, boy, they do take it too far. Yeah. And an interesting connection was that the scene where Linda Blair's sister had been raped is actually very similar to a scene that we watched in a different episode, which was Ichi the Killer. Um, so if you've seen that, you know exactly what happened. But, um, yeah, and the other thing, too, that I both liked about it, which but also made it worse, was that the guy who actually uh, did it felt bad about it. And that made it better because it wasn't as stereotypical ridiculous yeah but it also made it worse because it felt so realistic and it just felt uncomfortable and really sad you don't see i don't want to say they're punkers they're more like mad max idea of what punkers like a comic book version of punkers were back then yeah. you used to see us all the time we did that in the exterminator episode where it wouldn't just be gangs of certain colors it would be everybody mixed together and they're all dressed like they're out of an old mtv video like the new wave yeah. uh, Mad Max uh, punkers. And th- that's what I enjoy. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I like that stuff. I think... Uh, wait, what movie did you just reference? We were talking about The Exterminator. Remember the guy with the, the blowtorch we uh, did last oh, year? Oh, that's right, The Exterminator. Yeah. I was thinking of uh, like the Class Of series. Yeah, that too. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a, like that's like a through line through every season of ours. We always find a movie where it's focused on high school and college punkers, and someone has to get vengeance yeah. on them. Yeah, it, it's a it's a cash cow genre, I guess. Well, back then, yeah, I don't know if you could pull that off now, but um, if I would say uh, this one for me is a so-so. It just depends on the mood you're in if you want to watch this one. Yeah, like the it's kind of split into, you know, like. Kind of promises promises the you know kind of kind of fun ridiculous revenge flick, and the other half is just miserable. Yeah. So then I'll say this: it's the cleanest print of any of these movies because someone went in and must have found the negative and cleaned it up because most of the time with these grindhouse movies they look like shit. Yeah, that's true. There's a reason why this guy Danny Steinman got um, hired to do. Um, uh, the New Beginning, the one without Jason, the guy pretending to be Jason. He got hired to do this immediately afterwards. 
Oh, the new beginning. Which one is that? Is that number four or three? Yeah, okay, so one, four is when they, they're supposedly kill Jason. When they five, kill them, yeah. yeah five is yeah. the new beginning where it's at the uh, mental facility. And, yes, okay, yeah. I remember that now. Which I, I think is really underrated. I, I just, uh, yes, it doesn't have Jason in it. It's the same way with uh, the Halloween 3. Yeah, it doesn't have Michael Myers in it, but at least it's something different. Yeah, I would say number five for, for the Jason series, probably in the top half of them. Yeah. All right, so our right, final we, film. Stop talking about Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we already did that. We have a whole episode to that, people. You can watch it. Um, the last movie in this group here is called Grotesque. I expected bullshit from this one. Before I recommended the movies to Kersey, I watched about 15 Linda Blair movies. And when I say watch, I made about 20 minutes into it, and I'm like, nope, no, no, God, no. And then I ran across this, and I was like, maybe. And as it went along, it gets fucking crazy, and I would say this is the best of the bunch, because the director is clearly fucking with us. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely... Uh... I, I can't describe it. It's awesome. You got to see this thing. It it is. It kind of starts out, uh, you know, like standard horror film, but then find out that we're just watching a movie that someone had made. Yeah, well, and then it, it goes it's, on to kind of yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Every every half hour, it's a different movie. It starts off uh, with them uh, making a movie, and then they run across punk rockers again because '80s. Lego punk rockers who are out of their fucking mind. You think they're crazy in class of 1984? They ain't got shit on these guys. These guys are nuts. And then it turns yeah. into uh, a stalking vengeance, like Last House on the Left kind of thing. And then it turns into a mutant horror, you know, like uh, another thing like Hell Knight kind of. And then it turns into, hey, guess what? We're going to turn people into mutants just like them. And you're like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, there, there are almost no words for how ridiculous and how awesome it is at the same time. Yes. The last ten minutes, I'm not going to give it away, but you're going to sit back and go, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Did you just do what I think you did? And that's what separates us from the pack. And I can't believe no one has ever told me about this movie. I've never even heard of this. I found it by accident. Yeah, and that's kind of what's fun about watching it, too, is you, just, you feel like you just stumbled on something. That, you've never, that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. It has this, like, hypnotic effect when you watch it. This, uh, this And this is kind of at the end of Linda Blair's run as a lead. This is 88. By this time, her movies are all going straight to video. Or she's a cameo in bigger movies. I think this is when she started doing the sexual thrillers. You know, the ripoffs of, like, Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction. And then she would yeah. show up in, like, kung fu movies as, like, the cop in town. This is like one of her last leads and the last one really worth watching because I watched another one called The Chilling from the same team and it's fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, and just a, a warning for anybody uh, who's who absolutely loves Linda Blair. This has the least amount of screen time with her in it. Yeah, it, it has. Uh, and if you're a fan of Angel, which we did, I think in season two, she's 15. Mm. She's a student by day, a hooker by night. Vengeance. Yeah. Um, she is the sister in this one. Donna Wilkes. Yeah, and she is awesome. Yeah, this is a pretty good one. I was really surprised by this. I love finding these gems, but the print looks like shit, so just be aware it's full frame. It's kind of blurry. What is that? What is it with the cheaper movies during the 80s? You always look like you have a fog filter on it. Is that just the film quality? That's what I always wondered. I, I feel like it's, yeah, it's just inferior quality. 
I, I don't know if there's like that they have bought cheap film stock or something. I don't know. I can't imagine they put a fog filter over to give it atmosphere. <laughs> All right, so going through the list real quick before we go. Um, the next one I have, and uh, it's your call. I have Street Trash and Body Melt, the goopiest, most disgusting movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, what do you think I'm gonna pick, Body Melt, dude? Huh? I said, what do you think I'm gonna pick, Body Melt? Yeah. So we'll do the gross movies, Street Trash and Body Melt. I also have uh, movies with giant mutant rats on here, Jason ripoffs, Mad Max ripoffs. The cyber movies of the 90s when everybody was obsessed with uh, downloading software that'll kill us all. <laughs> Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Sweet. Yep, so that's just some ideas of what we got coming up in the next few episodes. Um, check us out on Facebook under Video Night. And, Kersey, send us out. All right, stay trash, everybody. <laughs>